0: this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org a utopia of usurers by g k chesterton section 5 the escape we watched you building stone by stone the well-washed cells and the well-washed graves we shall inhabit but not own when Britons ever shall be slaves the waters waiting in the trough the tame oats are portioned free there is enough and just enough and all is ready now but we but you have not caught us yet my lords you have us still to get a sorry army you'd have got its flags are rags that float and rot its drums are empty pan and pot, its baggage is an empty cot, but you have not caught us yet. A little and we might have slipped when came your rumors and your sails, and the foiled rich men feeble-lipped, said and unsaid their sorry tales. Great God, it needs a bolder bow to keep ten sheep inside a pen, and we are sheep no longer now. You are but masters, we are men we give you all good thanks my lords we buy at easy price thanks for the thousands that you stole the bribes by wire the bets on coal the knowledge of that naked hole that hath delivered our flesh and soul out of your paradise we had held safe your parks but when men taunted you with bribe and fee we saw only the lord of men grin like an ape and climb a tree and humbly had we stood without your princely barns did we not see in pointed faces peering out what rats now own the granary it is too late too late my lords we give you back your grace you cannot with all conjoling, make the wet ditch or winds that sting lost pride or the pawned wedding rings or drink or death a blacker thing than a smile upon your face the new raid two kinds of social reform one of which might conceivably free us at last while the other would certainly enslave us forever are exhibited in an easy working model in the two efforts that have been made for the soldiers wives i mean the effort to increase their allowance and the effort to curtail their alleged drinking in the preliminary consideration at any rate We must see the second question as quite detached from our own sympathies on the special subject of fermented liquor. It could be applied to any other pleasure or ornament of life. It will be applied to every other pleasure and ornament of life. If the capitalist campaign can succeed, the argument we know, but it cannot be too often made clear. An employer, let us say, pays a seamstress two pence a day, and she does not seem to thrive on it. So little, perhaps, does she thrive on it, that the employer has even some difficulty in thriving upon her. There are only two things that he can do, and the distinction between them cuts the whole social and political world in two. It is a touchstone by which we can, not sometimes but always, distinguish economic quality from servile social reform. He can give the girl some magnificent sum, such as sixpence a day, to do as she likes with, and trust that her improved health and temper will work for the benefit of his business, or he may keep her to the original sum of a shilling a week, but earmark each of the pennies to be used or not used for a particular purpose. If she must not spend this penny on a bunch of violets, or that penny on a novelette, or the other penny on a toy for some baby, it is possible that she will concentrate her expenditure upon more physical necessities and so become, from the employer's point of view, a more efficient person. Without the trouble of adding two pence to her wages, he has added two pennies worth to her food. In short, she has the holy satisfaction of being worth more, without being paid more. This capitalist is an ingenious person, and has many polished characteristics, but I think the most singular thing about him is his staggering lack of shame, neither the hour of death nor the day of reckoning neither the tent of exile nor the house of mourning neither chivalry nor patriotism neither womanhood nor widowhood is safe at this supreme moment from his dirty little expedient of dieting the slave as similar bullies when they collect the slum rents put a foot upon the door these are always ready to push in a muddy wedge whenever there is a slit in a sundered household Or a crack in a broken heart to a man of any manhood nothing can be conceived more loathsome and sacrilegious than even so much as asking whether a woman who has given up all she loved to death and the fatherland has or has not shown some weakness in her seeking for self-comfort i know not in which of the two cases i should count myself the baser for inquiring a case where the charge was false or a case where it was true but the philanthropic employer of the sort i describe is not a man of any manhood in a sense he is not a man at all he shows some consciousness of the fact when he calls his workers men as distinct from masters he cannot comprehend the gallantry of costermongers or the delicacy that is quite common among cabmen he finds this social reform by half rations on the whole to his mercantile profit and it will be hard to get him to think of anything else. But there are people assisting him, people like the Duchess of Marlborough, who know not their right hand from their left, and to these we may legitimately address our remonstrance and a résumé of some of the facts they do not know. The Duchess of Marlborough is, I believe, an American, and this separates her from the problem in a special way because the drink question in america is entirely different from the drink question in england but i wish the duchess of marlborough would pin up her private study side by side with the declaration of independence a document recording the following simple truths beer which is largely drunk in public houses is not a spirit or a grog or a cocktail or a drug it is the common english liquid for quenching the thirst it is so still among innumerable gentlemen, until very lately was so among innumerable ladies. Most of us remember dames of the last generation whose manners were fit for Versailles and who drank ale or stout as a matter of course. Schoolboys drank ale as a matter of course, and their schoolmasters gave it to them as a matter of course. To tell a poor woman that she must not have any until half the day is over, is simply cracked, like telling a dog or a child that he must not have water. 2. The public-house is not a secret rendezvous of bad characters. It is the open and obvious place for a certain purpose which all men used for that purpose until the rich began to be snobs, and the poor to become slaves. One might as well warn people against Willesden Junction, 3. Many poor people live in houses where they cannot, without great preparation, offer hospitality. 4. The climate of these picturesque islands does not favor conducting long conversations with one's oldest friends on an iron seat in the park. 5. Half past 11 a.m. is not early in the day for a woman who gets up before 6. Six, THE BODIES AND MINDS OF THESE WOMEN BELONG TO GOD, AND TO THEMSELVES, THE NEW NAME. Something has come into our community, which is strong enough to save our community, but which has not yet got a name. Let no one fancy I confess any unreality when I confess the namelessness. The morality called puritanism, the tendency called liberalism, the reaction called Tory democracy, had not only long been powerful, but had practically done most of their work before these actual names were attached to them. Nevertheless, I think it would be a good thing to have some portable and practical way of referring to those who think as we do in our main concern, which is that men in England are ruled at this minute by the clock, by brutes who refuse them bread, by liars who refuse them news, and by fools who cannot govern, and therefore wish to enslave. Let me explain first why I am not satisfied with the word commonly used, which I have often used myself and which in some context is quite the right word to use. I mean the word rebel. Passing over the fact that many who understand the justice of our cause, as a great many at the universities, would still use the word rebel in its old and strict sense as meaning only a disturber of a just rule. I pass to a much more practical point, The word rebel understates our cause. It is much too mild. It lets our enemies off much too easily. There is a tradition in all Western life and letters of Prometheus defying the stars, of man at war with the universe, and dreaming what nature had never dared to dream. All this is valuable in its place and proportion. But it has nothing whatever to do with our ease, or rather it very much weakens it. The plutocrats will be only too pleased if we profess to preach a new morality, for they know jolly well that they have broken the old one. They will be only too pleased to be able to say that we, by our own confession, are merely restless and negative, that we are only what we call rebels, and they call cranks. But it is not true, and we must not concede it to them for a moment. The model millionaire is more of a crank than the socialist's, just as Nero was more of a crank than the Christians. And avarice has gone mad in the governing class today, just as lust went mad in the circle of Nero. By all the working and orthodox standards of sanity, capitalism is insane. I should not say to Mr. Rockefeller I am a rebel. I should say I am a respectable man, and you are not. Our Lawless Enemies But the vital point is that the confession of mere rebellion softens the startling lawlessness of our enemies. Suppose a publisher's clerk politely asks his employer for a rise in his salary, and on being refused, said he must leave the employment. Suppose the employer knocked him down with a ruler, tied him up as a brown paper parcel, addressed him in a fine business hand to the governor of Rio de Janeiro, and then asked the policeman to promise never to arrest him for what he had done that is a precise copy in every legal and moral principle of the deportation of the strikers they were assaulted and kidnapped for not accepting a contract and for nothing else and the act was so avowedly criminal that the law had to be altered afterwards to cover the crime now suppose some postal official between here and rio de janeiro had noticed a faint kicking inside the brown paper partial and had attempted to ascertain the cause and suppose the clerk could only explain in a muffled voice through the brown paper that he was by constitution and temperament a rebel don't you see that he would be rather understating his case don't you see he would be bearing his injuries must too meekly they might take him out of the partial but they would very possibly put him into a madhouse instead Symbolically speaking, that is what they would like to do with us. Symbolically speaking, the dirty misers who rule us will put us in a madhouse unless we can put them there. Or suppose a bank cashier were admittedly allowed to take the money out of the till and put it loose in his pocket, more or less mixed up with his own money, afterwards laying some of both at different odds on blue murder for the derby. Suppose when some depositor asked mildly what day the accountants came, he smote the astonished inquirer on the nose, crying, Slanderer! Mudslinger! And suppose he then resigned his position. Suppose no books were shown. Suppose when the new cashier came to be initiated into his duties, the old cashier did not tell him about the money, but confided it to the honour and delicacy of his own maiden aunt at Cricklewood suppose he then went off in a yacht to visit the whale fisheries of the north sea well in every moral and legal principle that is a precise account of the dealings with the party funds but what would the banker say what would the client say one thing i think i can venture to promise the banker would not march up and down the office exclaiming in rapture i'm a rebel that's what i am a rebel and if he said to the first indignant depositor you are a rebel i fear the depositor might answer you are a robber we have no need to elaborate arguments for breaking the law the capitalists have broken the law we have no need of further moralities they have broken their own morality it is as if you were to run down the street shouting communism communism share share after a man who had run away with your watch WE WANT A TERM THAT WILL TELL EVERYBODY THAT THERE IS BY THE COMMON STANDARD FRANK FRAUD AND CRUELTY PUSHED TO THEIR FIERCE EXTREME AND THAT WE ARE FIGHTING THEM. WE ARE NOT IN A STATE OF DIVINE DISCONTENT. WE ARE IN AN ENTIRELY HUMAN AND ENTIRELY REASONABLE RAGE. WE SAY THAT WE HAVE BEEN SWINDLED AND OPPRESSED AND WE ARE QUITE READY AND ABLE TO PROVE IT BEFORE ANY TRIBUNAL THAT ALLOWS US TO CALL A SWINDLER A SWINDLER it is the protection of the present system that most of its tribunals do not i cannot at the moment think of any party name that would particularly distinguish us from our more powerful and prosperous opponents unless it were the name the old jacobites gave themselves the honest party captured our standards I think it is plain, for the purpose of facing these new and infamous modern facts, we cannot, with any safety, depend on any of the old nineteenth-century names, Socialist or Communist or Radical or Liberal or Labour. They are all honourable names, they all stand or stood for things in which we may still believe. We can still apply them to other problems, but not to this one. We have no longer a monopoly of those names. Let it be understood that I am not speaking here of the philosophical problem of their meaning, but of the practical problem of their use. When I called myself a radical, I knew Mr. Belfour would not call himself a radical. Therefore there was some use in the word. When I called myself a socialist, I knew Lord Penron would not call himself a socialist. Therefore there was some use in the word. But the capitalist in that aggressive march which is the main fact of our time, have captured our standards, both in the military and philosophic sense of the word, and it is useless for us to march under colors which they can carry as well as we. Do you believe in democracy? The devils also believe and tremble. Do you believe in trades-unionism? The labor members also believe, and tremble like a falling teetotum. Do you believe in the state? The Samuels also believe, and grin. Do you believe in the centralization of empire? So did Biette. Do you believe in the decentralization of empire? So does Elbu. Do you believe in the brotherhood of men? And do you, dear brethren, believe that brother Arthur Henderson does not? Do you cry the world for the workers, and do you imagine Philip Snowden would not? What we need is a name that shall declare, not that the modern treason and tyranny are bad but that they are quite literally intolerable, and that we mean to act accordingly. I really think the limit would be as good a name as any. But anyhow, something is born among us that is as strong as an infant Hercules, and it is part of my prejudices to want it christened. I advertise for godfathers and godmothers. End of section 5.